You are now listening to the Vivid Vision Spotlights podcast. I'm Chris Miranda, your host. Today I'm joined by Dr. David Grisham. He's a pediatric and developmental optometrist, I believe. That's correct. Thank uh-huh. you, sir. How's your day going? <laughs> so far, so good. It's good. a good day. Uh-huh. Good. So tell me a bit about your story, about um, how long you've been in the field and uh, what that journey has been like. Well, uh, quite a few years ago, I graduated from the School of Optometry at UC Berkeley. And I was selected to do a, a residency program in India at a medical institute there. And I spent nearly a year there uh, on this residency program. And I discovered uh, there that I loved to teach because I went around to all the schools of optometry in India and gave lectures. And so when I came back to UC Berkeley, they hired me as an instructor. And I, I never graduated. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just kept on going. I, I taught there full time for 37 years. And then... Uh, three years I taught a few courses. Uh, I did a lot of research, published about 26 pages, papers, uh, and wrote a major textbook in the field and really had a, a full career there. But now I'm in private practice, uh, half time, and really enjoy seeing my own patients rather than seeing students who have to see patients. <laughs> nice. What is it about vision care and optometry that speaks to you? Well, I'm a pediatric optometrist, so uh, I am really concerned about the welfare of children and their visual potential, Uh, not only in terms of just sight, but also uh, learning-related difficulties and uh, visual difficulties. And so we see a lot of uh, students that are underachieving in school or have dyslexia or other learning disabilities that actually have visual consequences of that, which we treat with vision therapy and uh, and uh, sometimes glasses, sometimes uh, medical care if necessary. Uh, but uh, it's really, I was inspired also by my daughter who has special needs. And so I actually went back to school after optometry and got a degree in learning disabilities, a master's degree, and helped her achieve some of her visual potential. And then uh, developed a clinic at UC Berkeley to do that the binocular vision and visual skills clinic. Um, and so I got very interested in that. I just love working with kids. That's awesome. Can you, um, so from someone who's been in, in the field for so long, are you? can you perhaps give me a, um, a glimpse into the state of vision therapy and optometry today? Yes. Um, optometry has gone very medically oriented now. Most optometrists... Uh, Uh, diagnose disease and treat with medications, although they don't do surgery at this particular point. That's left to an ophthalmologist who's specially trained in surgical procedures. Uh, Vision therapy has become kind of a specialty area within optometry. Uh, You'll find that there's a large organization of uh, developmental optometrists, pediatric optometrists, called the College of Optometry and Vision Development. And uh, they are now kind of the leader in uh, optometric vision care for treating eye coordination difficulties and vision-related learning difficulties. So as an optometrist, what are some of your day-to-day uh, challenges that you deal with, either with patients or just all around your, your practice? Uh, yes, we see many uh, patients with multiple difficulties. Uh, some uh, we see many children with autism and cerebral palsy and and uh, intellectual challenges and uh, try to do the best we can to get all the information about their 
their sight, their, their visual system, their eye coordination, their learning potential, and then design programs for them to enhance their visual and learning potential. What do you think um, is the sort of the limit of vision therapy? At what point does a patient need surgery? Or at what point does vision therapy is no longer, you know, a, a viable option? Yes, when we're treating children who have strabismus, uh, who have an eye term, like a crossed eye or a wall eye or a y, an eye that points somewhere other than straight, mm -hmm. uh, then many times we need the services of a surgeon. And so we work in tandem uh, with medical eye doctors for doing the surgical part, but we do all the prep work, really get their visual system functioning again so they can utilize normal binocular vision once they have the operation. Mm -hmm. uh, we also work uh, with many other specialties that deal with children with multiple uh, handicaps or uh, learning disabilities. And so one of our best referral sources is uh, occupational therapists, physical therapists, special educators, uh, and other optometrists, of course, who are not practicing vision therapy. Can I ask you, how do you, how do you deal with, how do you respond to other, other medical professionals who are skeptical about vision therapy? Um, you know? Yes, usually that skepticism comes uh, from a lack of knowledge. They really haven't studied the area or really taken courses in vision therapy, so they're just basically unfamiliar with it. Uh, if your tools are just uh, drugs and surgery, that's what you know and you do a good job within that, but you don't pay much attention to other approaches and other therapies that actually augment those particular results. Mm -hmm. What made you, uh, uh, what sort of um, made you realize that vision therapy was and is something that actually works. You know, what what are what are, what are some of the things that well, some of those pivotal moments in your life where you're like, oh my God, vision therapy really works. Yes, I had a patient uh, who was 37 years old and had a very severe lazy eye. She was an immigrant with her husband uh, from Venezuela, and he was studying for a PhD, and she had some extra time in her hand. She had 2400 vision, which is legally blind. And I fit her with glasses as an optometry student and gave her about four months of vision therapy and she ended up with 2040 visual acuity and could pass a driver's test with that eye. Mm -hmm. She had thought it was a blind eye and useless, but she went into vision therapy and just a relatively short period of time regained sight and binocular vision where she actually started seeing depth in the world, leaves on trees that were popping out. Uh, I was very impressed by that, that it had so much power in terms of uh, restoring vision uh, in this patient. And then I saw multiple cases as a student of optometry where all of a sudden a child started to learn to read where they weren't before. Hmm. Uh, all their visual symptoms of tired eyes, inattention, uh, sore, uncomfortable vision. Uh, were resolved, and uh, all of a sudden they started learning and really enjoying the learning process. That's I always find it fascinating to hear stories about people having such such uh, profound transformations. And and I and I wonder what are your thoughts as to what are the mechanisms happening in the brain that are allowing for people to develop stereopsis? What is actually happening yes. in the brain? Yes, uh, when a, let's say a patient has a large difference in refraction like Mrs. Z did, mm -hmm. uh, 
37 years old. She had never been corrected with glasses. So she had a lazy eye, an eye that really hadn't developed its full potential. Uh, and so uh, the, but the neural structure for binocular vision apparently was laid down and that was a developmental condition. But then the eye was suppressed, the vision in that eye was suppressed because it wasn't used and the brain couldn't integrate the two images. And so to prevent double vision and severe symptoms, uh, then the brain shut down the vision of that eye. Uh, we in fact rehabilitated that vision. We broke through the suppression. Uh, we gave her fusion with the special instruments uh, where we put her on uh, instruments that forced her to start using that eye and develop the ability to converge her eye and diverge her eye in tandem. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and that worked very nicely in her particular case. Of course, there are so many cases of uh, eye turn from, that are congenital, uh, whether it's a strabismus from birth or very close to birth, where the child doesn't really develop the, the neurological potential. Uh, but we have to do what we can to restore vision in that eye if it's a lazy eye anyway, even though we can't achieve integration of the two eyes. So um, th th perhaps this question, um, so, so the question is, is there, is the brain already, uh, the foundations for stereopsis are already laid out on the, uh, on the brain of a born infant? Or, or is this something that needs to be trained like a skill to ride a bicycle? Um, how, how does it work? Yes, um, the, <clears throat> the brain is very plastic in the early stages in the visual cortex and it responds to input and when there's input from two eyes then there are cells in the brain that develop the binocular potential and there are cells that develop monocular potential for good sight, just clarity. But you also need those binocular cells, which really forces the eyes to integrate so that they move as a team in the real world. Uh, and that is a developmental uh, ability that's acquired. So it needs to be reinforced early on in life. Uh, and then if it does, if it happens later in life, let's say a child develops an eye turn at age two, well, they've already laid down the foundation for binocular vision. And so it's possible now to remediate and get back to that foundation and deal with the consequences, the sequelae of the eye turn, which are essentially suppression, a lack of fusion, of integration of the two images, and also stereopsis or depth perception, binocular depth perception. Yeah, fascinating. Can you perhaps paint a picture of what the future vision therapy will look like? Um, and I dare you to dream, sir. I, I dare you to dream, <laughs> we, dr paint your wildest dreams for what vision therapy can look like going forward. Yes. Uh, when I first started in vision therapy, it was really uh, on instruments where you had to put people into big instruments and remediate their uh, visual skills. Uh, but now we've moved more to open space type training, things that you can actually do at home that are very easy. And uh, in the last 20 years, it's been really computer-based. So the computer games have developed that have uh, visual remediation potential, uh, both on a, a visual for lazy eyes, uh, also for strabismus, also for just... Uh, patients that have tracking difficulties and really can't keep their eyes on the page. They're skipping over words, they're skipping lines, and actually poor fusion skills 
2 and, and low depth reception. This has all been computerized in the form of games that are doctors prescribe. And that's been a big revolution within vision therapy because now the kids don't complain about their home training. <laughs> they really enjoy the games and there's much better compliance with the uh, with the techniques both for children and adults. Are you a bit more hopeful that perhaps uh, adults will see better results in the future uh, as the technology and the tools get more refined? Perhaps uh, um, people who gave up hope a while ago might have another chance to see if they can uh, get binocular vision. Yeah, I'd say about 20% of my patients are adult patients that have various degrees of uh, binocular vision problems or amblyopia uh, or uh, strabismus uh, that is treatable. Uh, and uh, that's increasing because there's a greater awareness of it, I think, within the public. Um, the real revolution right now in terms of vision therapy I think is going into the um, video games. There's a tremendous number of video game potential that really have uh, vision therapy consequences. We found that children with lazy eyes really do much better not only with patching but also playing certainly designed video games. In fact some of the shoot 'em up games are very good in terms of rehabilitating. And then there's virtual reality that's now coming on the scene and that has to have tremendous potential for all aspects of vision development. Stereopsis, fusion skills, tracking skills, eye-hand coordination, uh, body eye coordination, uh, it just opens up the whole world in terms of vision therapy potential. Absolutely. So you're a pioneer uh, using a, a virtual reality in your practice. Can you perhaps share a little bit of your experience? Uh, what's it been like to use a VR, Vivid Vision, um, in your in your clinic? Well, the biggest difference is that uh, patients are younger patients uh, clamor to get in the door. <laughs> they want to come to the clinic uh, to have their in-house or their in-office therapy session because we use the uh, virtual reality system on most of our cases now uh, because it has so much potential to train so many different visual skills and the kids enjoy it so much. What's neat is that uh, they're actually learning skills in a uh, virtual world but it is a world that they have to really coordinate their entire body. It's not static like it has been before. Yeah, this is, uh, and I, uh, yeah, definitely, and they actually do like it a lot. Um, what are your thoughts as to, like, what are the latest research that is coming out um, in binocular vision disorders? You know, what are some latest found findings? As someone that is actually has their finger on the pulse, um, you know, what are we looking forward to in the horizon? What new discoveries or what new, uh, what myths are being disproven? Um, any thoughts on that? Yes. Um, one of the areas that we work in is children that have visual processing difficulties, uh, as in dyslexia or dyscalculia, learning disability and math. Um, and these, we're talking here about 10, 12% of the population that have these type of learning disabilities. Uh, there's been a lot of research on the visual uh, consequences that cause dyslexia. Uh, and uh, there's two basic types of dyslexia. One's a kind of auditory linguistic type of dyslexia, which is uh, more phonics-based type dyslexia. They can't make the association of symbols and sound. 
and uh, manipulate the sound elements of words. Hmm. Then there's also a visual-spatial type of dyslexia, where a child has poor visual memory and remembering the full configuration of words, and they can't remember uh, how to spell irregular words because they don't sound out and they don't have the, the memory processes in language to actually recognize the print. Uh, and so they have very poor tracking eye movements, they have a lot of visual confusion, reversals of letters and, and uh, line, miss the line that they're trying to get to, it's very frustrating. Uh, we have new techniques now that really get to the heart of that visual spatial dysfunction. Uh, that really work with the system that guides the eyes from one location to another, which seems to be out of tune with the processing, the visual processing system for language. And so we can tune up the system, literally, and power up the visual guidance system so that the two are more coordinated. And all of a sudden, reading becomes much, much easier. In fact, we've had some very severe dyslexic identical twins that have been in our practice that worked on these techniques about 50 sessions in office and then some home training they were very severe fourth graders but they had first grade reading ability and they just hated the reading process identical problems to the identical degree our vision specialist and reading teacher worked with them on these techniques and they became they came out sixth grade readers after that basically a year of training uh, and the bookworms the parents couldn't get them to come to the table because they were lost in their their books wow, wow that's yeah. amazing <laughs> uh, it's it was astounding I was just so excited to see such a powerful result and of course most of our cases aren't nearly that severe dyslexia comes in different types it comes in different severities and most of the dyslexic have some aspect of the visual type of dyslexia that we treat and we're one of the few places that do. Wow, this is uh, incredible and inspiring and I'm gonna have to leave it at that. Dr. Grisham, it's been a pleasure. Any last few comments before we bring things to a close? Well, I think that the awareness of vision therapy is increasing because so many uh, teachers see the consequences of problems and tracking and in eye strain and in poor attention skills in the classroom and so that awareness is increasing and so I think in the future uh, there'll be a much better relationship between developmental optometry and the classroom. Amazing. So what's the best way to keep in touch with you? Well, we're on the internet. <laughs> Perfect. I will add all Rising those. Rising Star Optometry. Mm -hmm. So Rising Star Optometry, I'll add and those. Vision Academy Optometry. And Vision Academy. Um, Rising Star, Vision Academy is in San Francisco? Uh, yes, it is. Perfect. Um, I'll add those links in the show notes. Uh, Dr. Grisham, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you.